Hello, yes, a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening to you, however you may be listening and wherever you may be listening. This is Football's Biggest Conversation, The Big Debate, where we take the biggest issues from off the field of football and give them to you and you know try and work out who's got the who's got the best argument, who's got the best topics. Just basically who's right and who's wrong in the world of football this week. Uh, we've got a number of topics to get through this week. We're hopefully going to get three, but we've definitely got two topics to get into, which we'll get into later. But before that, we'll introduce the panel. Um, I think I'll do that. I think I'll keep it the same this week. I'll go in geographical location order. So I'm going to first introduce everyone's favourite foe, Geordie. It's Marcus Shearer. Marcus, good evening. Good evening. Good to be back. Good. Uh, Cracking my knowledge. Uh, I think he's somewhere in Essex. So that make him closer. Coming up next is everyone's favourite Dower Yorkshireman and Chris Waddle lookalike. It's Colin Sowerby. Colin, good evening to you then. Hello there, everybody. Good. And then going even further afield across the North Sea to the city of Amsterdam, it's James Rowe. James, good evening to you. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Good. Lovely. And James, I'm going to kick off with you because you have probably the most interesting uh, topic for us this week. Um, so please, by all means, do tell us more. Well, my topic for this week, I was watching BBC Football Focus on Saturday morning and um, it came up about the eSports Premier League as of next season, where they'll be holding an online competition to represent all of the Premier League clubs to play eSports online sports, basically playing FIFA against one another. And apparently this is big business in terms of people that actually will log in to watch two people playing a game of FIFA. And as the um, as the footage went on, you've got people saying about the types of, uh, you know, not everybody's a Ronaldo, not everybody's a Messi, not everybody's an Mbappe in terms of talent to actually play the game. So this is how they they um, they they dilute that with with playing FIFA and enjoying FIFA. And I just I just thought that the market for online esports is now so big. I wonder what everybody's thoughts are about it and where it's actually going. Me personally, I would never in a million years log in to watch two people playing a game of FIFA. Never in a million years. I would rather sit and watch a competitive uh, game of football at, at European level or international level or in the case of my hobby, which is um, you carve out of nowhere the opportunity to interview professional players and managers. And and, fa- and thankfully for me, the last two and a half years, that's going great guns. If I can plug my latest uh, interview on World Football Index with uh, the, the goalkeeper of Leipzig, Peter Gulaski. And I just wondered what um, what people's thoughts were on this eSports Premier League um, invention. Um, I'll sort of kick off with this. It's, it's a weird one because... I can sort of understand, similar to how, you know, me and Colin have had this argument back and forth over the years about um, half and half scarves. Um, I'm for them. Colin is very much against them. It's a similar situation. I'm very much against this whole esports thing. I just don't like the idea and the sort of what it's pro- what it's promoting. Because as a kid, we were always told, you know, get, was it an hour's worth of exercise an hour's worth of exercise each day. I personally did that, you know, as soon as I got home from school, had a kickabout with a couple of people in my street until until the sun went down, in for dinner, homework, bed, basically. So I was getting my exercise and I was, you know, playing football because I you know, wanted to try and improve and be a footballer sort of thing. But now you're telling me that there's a there's a much easier way to be be a millionaire and be and become famous. And that's to sit in front of your computer or your PlayStation or your Xbox uh, all day and just keep getting better at a at a video game, and all of a sudden you can make you can make millions of it. You can become this sort of celebrity. Again, I can understand why it's a thing, but it's just not for me because I just don't understand why there's now been this shift of you no. Know, when we, as no go back when we were young, we were told to exercise, whereas now there are probably parents up and down the country saying hang on, you play video games, why don't you do more of it and start making money for yourself, sort of thing. So this isn't just a sort of Premier League, a FIFA eSports thing. It's, it's a global thing, the fact that eSports has, be- has become, I think Rocket League was the first one to sort of do this and League of Legends. So I just don't understand where it's come from and why it's become a thing. Um, Colin, now I know you no know, video games and all the stuff isn't your cup of tea. I, you're, you know, you're sort of the older generation, but surely this must be something you've heard of from afar, just 
from afar to some extent. What's been your whole uh, take on the on the esports generation and just how it's become this multi-million, maybe even billion? I haven't quite kept track of it, but this big, huge money-making opportunity. Well, well, st- steady on, Matthew. I mean, I'm 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 not that old. I mean, old people can play games as well. Um, I mean, <sighs> what's my take on it? At first, I balked at the idea. Um, I thought it was crazy. But now I've thought about it a bit, I think where we were, let's say, 20, 30 years ago with football, you know, the advent of social media, Twitter, live streaming, YouTube, um, I, I think this has got legs. It might pain me to say that a little bit, but I think it's got legs. And I know it also happens for Formula One as well. Um, and I think there will be an audience there because some people will just watch anything. If you had spider fighting, there'd, there'd be a market for it somewhere. Um, You're going all Alan Partridge, aren't you, with monkey tennis? You get that was no, no, I wasn't. But you know, the people will watch anything really. Um, I mean, I think as well we've got to be careful a bit here because people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. I mean, twenty years ago us guys wouldn't be doing a podcast you know that's something that's come along um hopefully it's an audience for us um hello there to our listener um but you know it's it, it's moving so rapidly i i just think that the this wave of esports if you want to call it that is is just going to revolutionize it i mean it, football's changed already the way we follow it i mean before you used to have to read the newspaper reports um, or if you couldn't watch the game live um, or highlights now it's more easily accessible you've got Twitter you've got clips and videos being put on there so it's a very different game nowadays Um, and I can see it sort of working you know the tie-in with FIFA that sort of thing it'll be another Bit of promotion, money-making exercise for the likes of PlayStation and Xbox. I think there's some sort of there's some sort of movement there. But is it the right kind of movement? Is is sort of, is sort of what I'm coming. Now, I I personally look look at this from from the health side of it personally. You know, as I mentioned, you should shouldn't these kids be out exercising rather than getting their thumbs into a horrendous uh, state of arthritis at an early age or you know or rsi shouldn't that be what shouldn't that be what they should be doing rather than this but you're sounding like the old person now you know like i mean i am gladly i gladly take the old person position on this i mean the, the thing is 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 that okay yeah i mean your, your sentiments are very genuine but i think they're highly unrealistic I don't think you're going to get any less kids playing PlayStation 4 and going outside and playing football or cricket or rounders or whatever anytime soon. I think it's only going to go more, go one way and it's going to be more kids playing on PlayStations. When I was watching the, the, the clip on uh, Football Focus, there was people that are won tournaments and uh, were sponsored by clubs that were practising up to eight hours a day now i used to be a gamer when i my first couple of years in amsterdam i had a playstation and i would play fifa 11 and fifa uh fifa um 07 and 08 and stuff and then i used to play that recreationally just you know just for fun and i tell you what i haven't games now for about six seven eight years and i don't miss it i don't miss it at all because i i, I, re- I reached a point in my life where rather than sit and play a recreational game of fifa I wanted to push myself to go and watch a competitive match, whether that be Ajax, for example, or the Dutch national team, or to to study to study a team I didn't know anything about, to improve my knowledge of the game and stuff like that. And I suppose that's just how how things go. But um, I, I just think going forward, like Colin says about this having legs, you know, a sign of the times as well. I mean, you look at everything internet based with youtube and the sponsors and everything it's as if the old-fashioned ways of doing things are being thrown out of the window and i think that's a little bit dangerous to be honest yeah I was, and you know you talk eight hours a day, again i don't 
eight oh, hours. Some, some were proclaiming with their practice for eight hours a day, considering there's 24 hours in a day and you spend t- also time sleeping and whatever your commitments are and stuff like that. And time passes by so, so quickly. I just, um, I, I wonder, you know, where does it, where does it all lead to, really? Yeah, again, I don't want to get, I don't want this just to be a healthy, but again, surely eight hours a day in front of a screen is not, it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be good for you, surely. Now, Marcus, you and I, we, you know, no, we live, we live close to each other. We occasionally have FIFA nights. We, you know, have slumber parties and sleepovers where we do nothing but play FIFA. Um, that's an insight into both of our lives. So you and I are very much versed into this and part of this esports generation. We grew up playing uh, PlayStation 1s, then 2s, then 3s, then 4s, and Xbox, and Xbox One, and Xbox 360, so on. But surely you, even you've got it. This is a, sort of a level too far, the fact that it's become a multi-million or maybe multi-billion pound business. Yeah, but it's it's becoming just as strong as glo- uh, global industry, isn't it? You know, if the if demand is there, then it'll be equally supplies. I'm pretty sure was it not a few months ago back at Wembley Stadium, we had some sort of tournament. Uh, we had um, like a, a load of gamers possibly playing with some ex pros at Wembley Stadium. Uh, you know, that- are you on about you're on about the Wembley Cup part? You buying insurance? Was that the hashtag United? Thing? There you go. That was it. That one. Yeah. Was that not some gamers involved in that? Like the likes of um, uh, I think KSI maybe one of them. Uh, I don't know. I, I stayed well. I stayed yeah. well away from that. Well, it, it, it's it's all of that. You know. You know when this dis- discussion comes up, when James brings it up, I think of first of all over the summer, I saw some e tournaments being held. I think it was at the O2 Arena. Uh, where we were just watching on Sky Sports some spotty teenagers just playing each other in their ultimate team, getting their packages and their cards and putting their teams together or whatever else. And uh, honestly, I, I can't fathom, you know, why anyone would sort of um, commit, commit their lives to working hard towards something like that when there's an endless amount of possibilities for them that they could put just as much time, effort and application into. Uh the, the other thing that sprung to mind is with all these kids putting you know time and effort into that, and just, it shows that there is an element of hard work into it because you can't just, well, maybe you can. Maybe you can just walk into a, uh, e e-sports tournament and you could just um, wipe the floor of it and you could get a fair old prize from it. But, you know, that sort of takes away the incentive for young kids to um, go on an attempt to take on a sport at a professional level. I look at someone like Gary Neville. Gary Neville, I think we can all agree, you know, uh, was, you know, whilst limited in his talent, he still had some talent about him. But in the class of 92, when he did have the likes of David Beckham, Brian Giggs, uh, amongst others around him, that he was a bit um, restrained by what abilities he had. Uh, but it didn't stop him from basically applying himself and working as relentlessly hard as possible to make it into the Manchester United team, to make it into the England team, to essentially put himself into the folklore of Manchester United, winning, winning countless Premier League titles, Champions League titles, FA Cups, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, just being known for his uh, relentless uh, work rate. And I feel like a lot of kids are just going to sort of step away from that and go, I don't need to do that because I can have just as much fun and it's more convenient for me to do essentially what is a hobby to me and I can sack off my homework and I can sack off exercise. I can, you know, be off, you know, girlfriends or whatever else. And I can just go into this instead, uh, you know, and then the real um, question, to pro- you know, comes up then for the parents is, do we allow our kids to carry on doing that? Because it could be a moneymaker and it could put a roof over their heads. So it could put a car in their driveway or do we try and discipline it and keep it limited? So, you know, should that not go through? Because I'm sure it's very niche, the amount of success that you do get from these electronic gamers, you know. Of the tens that we may be able to name of electronic gamers, I'm sure there's thousands of kids that are trying to break into that market. I couldn't name you one. And it's interesting you bring up that... Hang on, sorry, James. It's interesting you bring that up, Marcus. And surely it's it's weird that someone would want to aspire to be one of these. Surely you'd want to be one of the people you're control. You'd want to be a footballer. Surely that's what you should be aiming for, rather than you know just sat sat with a joy with a not joystick a controller a controller in your hand. Surely that's what more. As you said, you can only name. I can't name two 
KSI is, I think, one, and that's about it, is the only one I know. Oh, wait, no, Mark Goldbridge, who's brilliant on Twitter, by the way. But I can name two. Whereas, surely you'd want to be a footballer rather than a person playing video football, surely. It, it depends what you constitute as a success as well. Because the majority of these kids that are playing uh, esports, playing FIFA or whatever else it is, chances are they're, the majority of the teams that they're putting together, be it Ultimate Team or playing as clubs, whatever they're doing, they're picking the five-star top teams. None of these kids are aspiring to play in League One or League Two of football. Now, there's nothing wrong with that by any stretch. You are still a professional footballer. And there is a lot of footballers in League One and League Two in England that works damn hard to get to that level, get to get to that ability and still to provide for families or for themselves. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's that's not the end goal for these kids. You just, for these kids, you're either messy or you're nothing. And if you can't be messy, then you'll go down into this FIFA route instead. Mm. I mean, just, just I've just done a quick search, guys, on uh, YouTube. And uh, I've just found a video that was posted October the 3rd. So 15 days ago, as we're recording now. Um, it's, it's titled Rebuilding Leeds United FIFA 19 Career Mode, right? And it's an hour long, and basically it's just somebody recording themselves through FIFA as, I don't know, the manager of Leeds United, for example. Um, it's had over 200,000 views. Who cares? Well, a lot of people who, do. Who, yeah, but I mean, you, you've got to be joking. So a random piece yep. of software... A random piece of software that can, with all the different connotations, come up with a random result as to whether his team wins or loses. Personally, I couldn't give a monkey's. And I'm sure that uh, there is a market out there, but the the game itself, the real game, you know, as I said a a, a couple of minutes ago on this pod, I used to be a gamer. I used to play FIFA all the time, recreationally. But I got to the point where I thought, now I want to know more about teams and players and managers even more than I knew you know I wanted to, to try to find an avenue to to find my own niche and and, f- and thankfully I found that by going on to interview professional players and managers but for this for people who had to have 200,000 views for an hour-long piece which is basically software being generated you think what, what do people do with their time James James I've got to intervene at that point because you know you're saying people and I would have to counter that and I'd say the majority of those 200,000 views, if you broke it down, first and foremost, I'd, I would say that they're based mainly in Britain and maybe partially spread ac- across uh, Western Europe. And the majority, okay. of, the majority of them, I'm going to guarantee you, will be under 16. It'll okay. Be, it'll be kids. It'll be kids watching that because it's the same generation that's still trying to get into esports and they're still mixed into that. So, for example, James, you know, if you were going back to, you know, being 13 to 14 years old and you had these facilities in front of you and you were playing FIFA and, I don't know, you were struggling with, like, a certain idea or a certain little trick that you're trying to get, you know, going with it, chances are you'd go onto YouTube and you'd look up someone doing it, how to do it, how to perform it, and you might even then get interested in a channel and then start following it on from there. And that's how the snowball effect sort of kicks in. I hear about this a lot from my students as well. Maybe not so much FIFA, it's more about Fortnite these days, but there is a huge demand on YouTube for gaming channels and watching people either live stream or just putting in career modes as well. I know a couple that do it for Newcastle ones at the moment as well. I don't get it myself, but because there is a demand for it amongst such uh, young teenagers, uh, and if, you could, if you're able to pull in views and make off money off the back of it, good luck to you, I guess. It's just not for me. Not for me neither, but I, I suppose uh, sign of the times, as you said, and summed it up so well. But also, guys, it's not a million miles away off gambling on football, which is something that I know you do, James, and I've dabbled yeah, with occasionally. That's a, br- that's a brilliant point. I'm just very well done. I mean, How do you mean? Can you elaborate on that, Colin? Right, okay, because you're not taking part in the game, but you are yeah. taking part in the game. If you see what I mean, because okay. there is a, a real importance to you on what happens in that game. So, so it's sort of the, the football's being played, but there's also multiple other games taking place as well. Because uh, Spurs are playing Arsenal, but alongside that, everybody's putting bets on in their own little game. Because if if you beat the bookie, then you win. 
Um, so it's it's just another way of uh, the game evolving into something else. And I don't think anybody would say football gambling. I mean, it's got its downfalls, but would try and say football gambling's a bit crazy. Why do people do that? Um, I don't think it's a million miles away from esports. No, I tell you what, there is going to, I guarantee you at some point there is going to be, you're going to be able to gamble on these sort of things. And I, I don't want to be sort of, you know, um, you know, down a slippery slope or anything, but that is one of the things you do not want to introduce gambling no. to, because all it takes is for one per one person just to say, "Oh, my controller slipped," or "Oh, my X button didn't didn't work as well as I hoped it would." One, you know, one pass goes astray, or one defender misses a tackle in an esports thing. Someone scores, and all of a sudden. The thousands and thousands of pounds can change hands on the slip of on the slip of a thumb. It already happens, man. And then, and then, how much is that going to affect the person that sort of cost those relevant people all that money? It's 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 just opening up avenues you don't want to go to. No, I I I fully I fully agree on that point, Matt. I, I fully agree on that. As someone who gambles regularly on football, I do it as a hobby first and foremost, and it's never. It's net, you only bet what you can afford to lose and you have to be sensible at all times. But you see now with all these in-play actions of um, how many corners, how many offsides, all that rubbish, I only bet on the results and the outcome of a match. Win, lose or Same. draw. That's yep. it. That's it. There's, no, there's one of three outcomes. So if there's a match that I fancy, like for example, um, what was it last week? You had the derby of Brittany between Nantes and the Rennes. Now, I've noticed that the majority of main uh, derbies in Western Europe often end in a draw. If you go back into recent history and study them across the board, you will find that most of them have ended in a draw. So I decided to put one euro on uh, Nantes against Rennes to be a draw when that was priced at 3,50. So I put on one euro and... um, and picked up three euros fifty for that particular match, and and th- you know these t- these types of bets it's more fun than anything really. But I, as you say, the market in England, for example, with the um, with the commercialism with the in-play bets, you can't do none of that here. You can't go into a because uh, you can put your bets here on a, a local news agents. You know you can put it on at the post office. Uh, you ca- here you can't go into a one of those post office places and say uh i want to put a bet on how many corners there's going to be in a match you you can't do it you, you can have a bet on the pr- correct score or, and those kind of things but all these obtuse kind of bets for example or betting that a team that will finish in, a team might finish in the top 10 or get relegated you can't do those type of bets here but obviously in, with the market in the uk you can bet on even the, the outcome of a of a general election, I believe we're the only country in the world that allows such a thing. So mm. it just goes to show the differences, really. But but James, can you not get round that by just doing it online? Yeah, but I refuse to go. I refuse to bet online personally because for me, it's I don't want it to. Um, I'm fully in control at the minute, and I have been for many years. And I don't. Everybody's fallible. Everybody can have a, a bad day or something which turns them astray a little bit. And I want to. Um, I don't want to go down any slippery slopes, so I'll just do the old-fashioned way and and, and, and protect myself a little bit in that respect. Uh, here's another thing, guys. It, it's sort of already here, right? If you go onto a bookmaker's website, and most of the big ones do this already, you can bet real money on virtual games. So it'll be something... You're just watching a video, yeah? And the games come thick and fast, so there's one every three minutes okay and you just get the highlights reel and it'll be something like um fc bongo versus um csk mario or something right and you'll see different odds so one will be the favorite one won't be the favorite and you watch the highlights and you can actually put a real money bet on that um and that's already here i mean it's quite that's potentially quite scary but yeah i, I think so I, I think that's it that's extremely scary and you know we're trying to um 
I think I saw, I think it was an ex-footballer, um, I can't remember his name now, but he's, he's now going into uh, to different clubs to warn young players about the dangers of gambling. And I think he spoke about the uh, apps on people's phones now where it takes only 12 seconds to place a bet. 12 seconds. Now, that's no time at all. And if you think of, of, of what's at people's... Um, uh, fingertips with their phones and away days being a bit boring and you know traveling on the coach and, and logging in and passing the time it can be um it can be a bit of a murky world in some respects but 12 seconds are, are unreal really can it be stopped can uh, it be stopped no i think there's i think there's far too much money at stake uh, to be honest and i mean i mean I, I mean i don't i only gamble on football i don't gamble on dogs or uh, or horses or anything like that but you also see about these um the stories about the fixed uh, fixed odds betting machines in the UK, where yeah. people refer to it as the crack cocaine of gambling. I think once you're hooked on those types of things, I don't think there's a way out. I mean, there was a fantastic uh, BBC documentary a couple of months ago about the the pitfalls of gambling, and there was uh, quite a sad story about a guy that was struggling to make him ends meet and was spending all his money at the bookies. And at the end of the show, it you know, it, it was a bit bittersweet, really. You know, he had to make a choice of betting or going to buy new shoes for a job interview. Unfortunately, he made the right decision and went to buy those new shoes for an interview and ended up getting the job. So it kind of gave him an opportunity to work his way out of his uh, of his plight. But I think the guy was only about 23, 24 years old. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if this is a, a slight sideboard on this, but I don't know if you heard the... The latest news on the fixed odds betting machines, James, here in the UK, um, there was a plan to reduce. I think it was from 100 quid, is it, to two pounds, yeah. the amount you could put in these machines. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the government had a set date of doing it, which was meant to be brought in now, and they put it back mm. to next year. Now they've yeah. since reversed the decision because of an outcry. Mm. but the actual minister who was responsible for that area actually resigned over it. Mm. So it's it's a massive issue. Yeah. I mean, you, you, but you'd think they would take it into consideration, you know, how many people take their lives and all that, uh, all those kind of things. And, 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 you know, the suicide being the biggest killer among men in the UK under the age of 45, you, you don't see any campaigns for that in football. I mean, you see, like the, the the kick it out campaign is regular every season now. Yeah. You see about the uh, rainbow laces campaign is regular every season now. But you, you know, in in terms of mental health and difficulty that people have, you don't have a Premier League campaign about those things. And and that might be a good idea in the future, perhaps. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah, I completely I think, agree. I think- I think we've managed to manage to get two debates out of one topic. So credit to credit to both of you. But I think feel we're sort of going down going down the wrong hole here. So I think it's time that we best move on in regards to that. And uh James, have you been enjoying the Nations League? Um yes. Uh obviously we're delighted here in the Netherlands that a point will see the Netherlands into the final four. It just goes to show how quickly things can change. Um, ha- having The Netherlands having beaten the previous two world champions, still being in a transition period, if you like, is, uh, is, getting, um, is getting everybody excited here. But uh, Colin, I watched- hang on, sorry, I, it was meant to be just a yes or no. But oh, thank, you, thank you very much. It was meant to be a yes, but I'll take that as a yes. Colin, have you enjoyed the Nations League? Uh, no, because it's not broadcast on terrestrial TV. Okay, that's a different point. That. We may get into that, but that's a different point. Marcus, have you enjoyed the Nations League? More than I thought I would, yeah. More than I thought I would. Um, because that's going to be our next point, is we are approaching the end of the first round of Nations League. Most of it has sort of already been decided. Uh, England have won their group. Portugal have won their group. At time of recording, it looks as if Belgium are going to win their group. Um, as James mentioned, uh, the Netherlands are one point away from topping their group. Um, if you want to go down the things, Denmark won their group. Wales came a valiant second in a group of three. At least we got we've got the Irish relegated, which is a plus in my books. Um, Northern Ireland got relegated. The Republic of Ireland got relegated, and Scotland are still in with a chance of getting promoted. So, yay on Scotland! But just on, on an overall scale of things, have 
have you uh, we've obviously got the yes or no have you enjoyed it but just on a, on a micro level why have you enjoyed the nation's league or not enjoyed the nation's league uh, as you know as it now is because the whole point was to sort of get more competitive get more competitive fixtures in and sort of cram cramming more international games you know even though despite the fact that wales had a friendly against spain last month and I've got a friendly against Albania on Tuesday for whatever reason. Meant to get rid of friendlies, but apparently we're still having friendlies. It's a weird one. But just on the whole, the fact that you've had this, you know, these last three months have been competitive international games trying to fight for something. The whole idea of, you know, you're going up against teams of a similar level. It's not quite pre-qualifying, as people have often said, for qualifying for the Euros. Um, but it's somewhere it's somewhere in the middle of that. And. Um, so it's it's been fantastic for me, but I'm going to wait and uh, give my sort of fuller opinion until last. Um, who should I come to? Colin, you being the negative Nancy that you are, why haven't you enjoyed the Nations League? Is there anything more than just the fact that it's not on terrestrial TV, or is it on a more grander scale than that? No, it's 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 not just about that. Um, first of all, international football can be a bit dull at times, anyway. So so. That's one negative it's got going for it anyway. Um, plus, I think the fact that at the end of the day, it's not, if I understand it correctly, and I don't understand it all yet, but it's slowly sort of sinking in, because it is quite a complex setup, isn't it? Um, it doesn't guarantee you qualification for big tournaments. Um, it doesn't guarantee you, but it's for the likes of in League, in league D, um, I believe it's one of Georgia, Kosovo, and two others. Basically, one of Georgia, Kosovo, I think it's Liechtenstein and Macedonia, are guaranteed, one of them is guaranteed a spot in the Euros. Uh, I don't know quite how it works on the bigger level in terms of playoff. There are still some permutations that I'm still not 100% sure about the basic idea of it. Um, I've still come around to it because I did spend you know, like weeks at a time trying to work out the permutations, but it wasn't only hmm. until... It wasn't until only before the Republic of Ireland game when they sort of displayed it on the big screen of the Cardiff City Stadium where it was displayed, where it finally clicked on me and I had that last piece of the puzzle. But just on our back, yeah, as you said, there's a whole lot more to it. There's the Nations League finals, um, which England, are, they're in, they're qualified for. It's in Portugal for next year. Why it's a one-off game, I don't know, rather than you know two-legged mm. home and away. No, I, I think at the end of the day, Matt, it's still international football. It's not something new and sexy. It's just international football, I guess, with a little bit of salt and pepper on the top. You know, it's um it you know, if it was a bag of crisps, it wouldn't be cheese and onion, it'd be Tesco's finest cheddar cheese and sea salt or something. Do you know what I mean? Um it, it's the same thing wrapped up in a slightly different way for me okay and again you you, know, you mentioned because uh, that was one of the sort of criticisms of the nations league and you and you alluded to earlier that this was just basically you no know, a way for uefa and i think fifa because i i don't know if fifa get involved with but uh, uefa as well um for them to make money because it's a new thing that they can uh, package and sell and sell the broadcasting rights to which sky have got over here for the nations league so is it more the fact that it's just another avenue for Sky and all that stuff to make money? Or or would you think, how much better would it be for you if it were on, you know, BBC and ITV, for instance, or, or whatever free, or whatever, you know, quote unquote, free channel you wish, to, would you, you wish to choose? How much better would it be for you? If it was on Terrestrial, I might watch it. <clears throat> I might watch it. As it currently is, if I want to watch it, I've got to pay for BT Sports. I'm 100% not going to do that, so I'm not going to watch it. Okay. It's Sky, but I, I absolutely take your point. Um, James, you've enjoyed the Nations League, and as I say, you've seen it from afar. You've got a different um, a different uh, uh, finger in the pie sort of thing. That's the wrong phrase, I know, but you've got a different um, view of this from it because you know, we're looking at it from a British perspective. You've obviously been immersed in a Dutch perspective uh, of it, so... Basically, just elaborate on your points that you were making earlier before I uh, ever so rudely cut you off. Oh, no, that's no, right. Um, the Netherlands are delighted that they only need one point to qualify for the final four. It just goes to show how quickly things can change in um, 
in international football. Uh, I watched a game on TV here in the Netherlands on Friday night in Rotterdam. Uh, a side point, all Dutch national team games here are shown on terrestrial TV. All of them. You don't have to pay for any extras They're just on terrestrial TV, which is the way it should be. If you want to watch the national team of that country, you, you just, you know, press the channel and it comes on. Does it, does that. I'm, just of, curious, I'm just curious, is that like something like that's written into law that all Dutch football games have to be free, have to be free to air? Or is it just that the free to air and the pay TV companies had a bidding war and the free to air just won out? No, uh, in how fact, exactly did it work? In terms of the national team, it's always that the national team must be on terrestrial TV. That's not just for uh, the game on Friday night, for example, but also when the ladies had the European Euro 2017 tournament. That was the case. Um, I must say, although the matchups have been very um, interesting, one thing which struck me uh, watching the match on Friday night was there's been a lot of these games in a short space of time. And although it was a tremendous result for the Netherlands on Friday, France looked as if they couldn't be bothered. They looked as if they didn't really fancy it. And that didn't help. If you think of a normal calendar year of international games, how many do you have? Do you have maybe four or five? And I think we've had four or five since the summer alone. So whereas before in a whole calendar year, you'd have maybe five from January to December. And now we're having uh, four games in the space of three months, for example, uh, in double header form. And I just think it's a little bit of an overload, to be honest. Yes, it's nice to give a new impulse to a new tournament, but also the fact of one of uh, Macedonia or um, or um, uh, was it Macedonia or Georgia may qualify for Euro 2020. This tournament started out with four teams and the natural progression of it was 4, 8, 16. It's recently gone to 24. It will eventually go to 32. Why do we bother with a qualifying round then? Why not stick all 55 and go from there? Because it, it used to be a competitive um, thing of, of qualifying for a tournament. And if you missed a qualifying tournament, if you missed a major tournament, it was a wake up call for you. And the Netherlands missed the last two. But I just think now it's become it's just it's become so bloated where everybody has to be given a chance. Years ago, it was if you're not good enough for that particular tournament, you wasn't good enough to qualify. That was that. And you get your housing order and you, and you go forward. Whereas now, you know, to go from four to eight to 16 to 24, and I'll swear that 2024 will end up being 32. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that. And then, um, you know, where do you go from now? So yes, I can understand with the interesting matches, but then again, people down, played friendlies but it was the responsibility of the associations to organize decent friendlies that people would want to attend yeah and i just want to um in regards to what you're saying about the scheduling, i think the scheduling is all the same it's just sort of been uh crammed uh, crammed in a different way because this time of year would usually be um the first sort of three or four games of your qualifying for it would be euro 2020 so you'd have the two games Again, whether or not you'd have like a friendly on the Friday night and then a qualifier on the Monday and then a qualifier on the Monday night sort of thing. Um, you'd usually have a break, a break in September, October, November, usually. And we've had exactly the same there. Then you've got the um, there's always an international break in March, uh, March, Mar uh, March, February time. Then there's occasionally one uh, sort of June, July time as well. I usually um uh, a week after the end of the a week after the end of the season because I know England had a friendly the day after the FA Cup final a couple of years ago I can't uh, remember exactly the day so I think it's all the same it's just been sort of compressed to somewhat yes. and then you'll get and then I think we get a couple of weeks of a tournament and extra qualifiers like we would in you know in tournament years in the you know in the even years we then get the additional ones. Um, Towards in June and July for the Nations League finals and so on at the at the end of the season. So I think it's all kept to the same calendar, but they're just tweaking around the order of it, so to speak. But the tweaking of the order gave the impression that France, the current world champions, playing away against the Netherlands, could not really be bothered on Friday. And you know, France when they're on it, they're on it. 
and you got the sense with their body language, although it's a tremendous result for the Netherlands, don't get me wrong, but the fact that France knew that there wasn't really anything riding on it and they didn't really care meant they didn't try their best to try to win the game. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, Marcus, again, you seemed, you said that you were somewhat happy about all this. Have you got the same level of enjoyment that I that I have out of it, even you know, despite... Uh, Wales's uh, failure to get the no, no, taking nothing away from Denmark, they're a bad team. But have you sort of enjoyed this on the same level as me and to some extent James has? I think what I've enjoyed is just there uh, being some sort of uh, incentive to the games. Like for years gone by, you know, there's been like memes going around on the internet, particularly, you know, I'm, I'm here's looking at you, Paddy Power, about when an international break rolls around and everyone's enthusiasm for the sport just seems to drop. Because there's no incentive behind it, no sort of competitive edge to it. You know, people are forking out X amount of money to go to games, to travel across Europe for friendlies. You know, this is just for England, just for anyone. And, you know, aside from a weekend away or a week of holiday for these fans, it's not much more reason to it, you know. So to, to get in some sort of you know, competitive edge like this. You know, I, I'm not saying it's the ideal answer. It's a start. I think it's something that could be experimented with more going forward uh, and sort of look further into maybe next time round come uh, qualifi- qualification for the next World Cup in Qatar. Uh, you know, in an ideal world, I, personally, I'd like to see something like, you know, top seeds uh, or top nations being seeded and the rest being randomised um, just to give it a more sort of um, a competitive edge and sort of be fairer on the lesser teams to give them more chance of qualification uh, whether we'll see that uh, I'm sceptical of but I think this is like a, um, it's a solid start to just attempt something new and just give us something to think about going into these international breaks, you know, when you do come away from the Premier League or the Bundesliga or whatever it is and say, okay, there is something riding on the line for these nations. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it's it's a solid start and it can only sort of progress and improve from here, hopefully. Yeah. Okay, uh, Yeah, it'll be interesting because we've had this one go-round where it was, everyone was ranked, you know, as they were in their sort of uh, in their FIFA seedings. Now that there's going to be a little bit of a little bit more of a shake-up, like um, uh, for instance, Denmark uh, being promoted to the to the top tier, uh, Bosnia Herzegovina, by the looks, they're going to be going up. Russia uh, are currently top of there. Ukraine, uh, by the looks, they're going to go up as well. And the teams, you know, and the teams coming down. It's whether you no know, Germany in the um, in League B, for instance, is going to be very interesting. Whether or not they can jump straight back up to the top. So I think once we've had two or three uh, goes round of this, then we're going to see whether or not it's a something that can be worked on, worked on properly, uh, sort of on a full time basis. Yeah. Um, Matt, Matt, just yeah. Johnny, because you're the, um, you know, the one who's, you know, saying the nicest words about the tournament. Um, is it also a little bit of there's a lot of positivity around it when your team's doing well? So, um, so for example, let's use England as the example. England have done all right out of it. As for James, Netherlands have done all right out of it. So there's a bit of interest there because you always want to see your side win. But if your team's not doing so well in it, you're more likely to go crappy tournament anyway do you know what i mean it's a bit like the carabao cup if you're in it you're still interested in it but when you get bumped off you're sort of like carabao cup not bothered about it anyway is is it one of those things because you're driven by a team doing well or your team doing well and then if your team does well in a tournament then by default the tournament is a good thing is this by any means taking a shot at England fans who are now all of a sudden cock a hoop about the Nations League, despite the fact that for the past couple of years they've seen international football as irrelevant and can't wait back and post pictures of them yawning when the international break comes out? Is this a shot at England by any chance? Well, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, as, as, as I'm sure James would love, you know, this is another opportunity for um, Gareth's heroes um, to 
the DVD. Um, yeah. Uh, following on from uh, the heroic performance of England uh, <laughs> earlier this year. So, yes, there is a bit of a, a shot there, yeah. Fair enough. And I just, well, to, to some extent, answer your question. Um, I I enjoyed the premise of it um, when it when it first came out because again it was more for you know this was really designed for the small nation and I've just got it I got it wrong earlier uh, just for clarification it's Georgia Belarus Kosovo and Macedonia the the teams that are going to be uh, they're going to be going uh, through so one of them is guaranteed a place in Euro twenty twenty yeah, who, who who cares well the the residents of Macedonia Kosovo Belarus and Georgia yeah I don't care. care about that. Yeah, well, the world's not all about you, Colin. As much as we would all no, like no, it. but well, you know, you know, do you know what I mean? Let's 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 face facts, right? The only thing that happens in international football is that it's the big teams, it, and international football is always set up so the big teams always get into the tournaments. In theory, they're helped as much as they can because they're the guys with the money. So the Germans, you know, they negotiate their own TV rights. Same with England, big populations, big football fan base I, I I really don't think that UEFA cares that much about whether Kosovo make it into the tournament they might pretend they do but we all know they're going to get battered but that's maybe sorry I'm sounding very cynical sorry no 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 it's fine it's fine by all means but um, to all our Kosovo that- listeners go on yeah, uh, we'll go back and touch on sort of what James uh, talked about uh, talked about earlier is um, you know this whole qualification whether or not uh, again we're looking further afield to this but you know, we'll get to two two conversations out of one topic we quite like that it benefits us um, do you think we can honestly look forward to a thirty two tournament a thirty two team uh, UEFA tournament considering there's is it fifty five fifty five fifty five associations and it will eventually go. To, to 32 but I mean when you start giving everybody a chance when you start you know involving everybody you know you need to have you need to give associations in a cent a set incentive to be the best that they can be and when you start um including everybody and you know and um, it, it's I suppose it's like a, a school sports day you know where the kids that didn't win get a sticker for participating and uh, you know it smacks very much of that and i used to you know obviously i'm not that i'm not i was born in the early 80s so i don't you know i'm not that young but i'm also not that old um you, you used to you go back to world cups you know you had in its infancy uh four to eight 16 32 it's eventually uh 24 teams 48 teams as of uh, as of qatar you know, it used to be only the best arrived at the tournament, and that's what made it so exciting. You had the best against the best. I'm sure the team that ends up playing Belarus in in Amsterdam or in or in London or in Munich will be rubbing their hands with glee, thinking, "Hang on a minute, this is our chance to get to the um, to the, get to the uh, to the quarterfinals or to get to the last 16." You know, it used to be the best against the best, and it's become so diluted now that you just think, you know, it's no wonder that some people find it tedious in certain respects. Would you much rather an old-style UEFA Cup slash European Cup style? Of, you know, 55, you'd have to work out a couple of teams get buys, but the, the general you know what, is that you know what straight I would, You know what I would love? if, and But obviously there's too much money involved, so nobody would do it. Specifically for the World Cup, bring it back, bring it right the way back, and your qualification process is England go to Colombia to play in Bogota and Colombia come to London. England go to the Ivory Coast in Africa and have to play in Abidjan and Ivory Coast come to London. I think if you did something like that where it's a uh, across-the-world qualification and you have the best uh, 24 to 32 teams going into a World Cup. That is that would revolutionise the entire, you know, World Cup itself. You know, it would breathe life into the competition. But obviously, with the money involved, and obviously with the flights involved, and and associations and that kind of thing, nobody would do it. But I think in terms of the Euros, you know, the death knell was moving it to 24. You know, Portugal won that tournament, having not didn't. I think. They didn't win a single match within 90 minutes. 
but yet they're European champions. And it, I know anything can happen in football, but when you start to to open the floodgates, you know the, the what is it they're saying in in English the the um, the the horse is gone, but it's already bolted, and uh, or something along those lines. Yeah, I would be fascinated to see yeah, your idea of, of, a trans globe, of a trans-global World Cup qualifying. That would I'd be very amazing. much like. I'd very That'd much like to see brilliant. Brazil versus Madagascar for a place in the World Cup. Absolutely. Or Brazil, or Brazil coming to Cardiff and Wales going to Rio. Tell you what, that'd be, that'd be, that's, that's a great, that's a great, great away days out there. Uh, Marcus was just about to make a point, but he was slightly muffled. Apologies, Marcus. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just saying uh, James' expression there. I was just saying if you have to um, bolt the cart to the horse before it uh, goes off, because uh, Mike Ashley famously coined that phrase in an interview with Sky Sports a few years ago when talking about how to run the club, and that turned out really well. Hmm. Indeed. Right. That just about wraps up those two debates. Uh, guys, what, what? Oh, no. Is Colin got No, points? no. Matt, I was just saying the only person I think who's excited about the number of entrants increasing is Alex McLeish. You know, because it's. <laughs> okay. We got a little chance. You know, you know they, can, they can make it into a big tournament potentially now. In which case, you know, we did say we only had two topics. We wanted to get to three, but uh, sadly, we've only had time for two, but that works. We had two excellent, uh, well, four excellent debates because we had, you know, two topics, two topics, and they each spawned two discussions. So it's all grand. We got four for the price of three, if you want to count it that way, um, if you if your math sort of works like that. But other than that, all that's there for us to say is thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can, of course, uh, get in, t- in contact with us via social media. Uh, Colin's in charge of that. So, Colin, what's the Twitter? The Twitter is at FBC pod P O D. So yeah, any suggestions for future topics, any uh, thoughts on, on what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about the podcast. Yep. Fire it to us there. And how can people contact you on Twitter, Colin? I am on Twitter, uh, at Cass seven zero seven. What is, uh, what is your Twitter <laughs> handle, James? It's at James Rowanell. Uh, Marcus, over to you. What's your Twitter? Oh no, you don't have one, do you? Because you uh, don't have. You, you're not a fan of the old Twitter uh, anymore, are you? Yeah, not really. Not bothered by it anymore. Okay, fair enough. Uh, do you want to make up a Twitter handle? Just out, just out of thin air. Marcus Shearer one. It's still there. You can. But you just I, won't read on, any comments. I'm, I'm, yeah, well, I'm just usually on there to boil piss. So if anyone wants to boil some piss back and engage in <laughs> piss boiling, crack on. Indeed, right. All that's left for us to say is thank you very much again once once again. Thanks very much for listening to all of us. You guys all take care and we shall see you when we see you next. <laughs>